I love Freud's quote. He said, the wonderful narcissism of infants, beautiful women, and cats. And, you know, and, and, and he's not talking about pathological. You know, these beautiful women are not pathological narcissists. You are now connected with Enclave for Entrepreneurs at O'Hare International Airport in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Enclave O'Hare, the local to global learning and earning center for entrepreneurs and their influencers. On September 3rd, 2019, we were joined by globally esteemed Enclave co-founder, Dr. David Morrison, an organizational psychiatrist who has been working with entrepreneurs and their influencers since 1969. Our topic of discussion was healthy and unhealthy narcissism. You heard that right. There is, to a degree, a healthy amount of narcissism in the role of a successful entrepreneur. Let's listen in. I'm uh, David Morrison. I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, I was trained at the Menninger Foundation in Topeka, Kansas, and trained in the psychoanalytic model, and even did some work uh, in, in the, the Psychoanalytic Institute. And I got started early working with um, business people, with leaders, and moved into this practice of mine, which is 100% consulting to managers, leaders, executives, uh, both in the private and the public sector. We operate in three areas. One is in seminars. The other is in uh, individual consultations where people will spend a day or a day and a half in our office with psychological testing, interviews mm -hmm. with uh, psychiatrists, an MBA, and uh, work t to reach their goals. The basic issue is to help people change in the direction they want to change. Mm -hmm. And then the third place is working with the organizations, either some organizational culture that needs to be changed or leadership or the or the team. There's a lot of, of team building work done in that. And my son, Davin, uh, who is part of the Enclave, has been working with me for a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. He's basically taken over Morrison Associates. And uh, several years ago, five more than five years ago, David met John, and uh, John was talking about his work with the, with the entrepreneurs and the idea that Everybody talks about the venture, but the most important thing is the entrepreneur. He's the leader. He's the one that makes it happen. Uh, he's the one that, that can fail, but yet everybody's paying attention to the venture. And uh, that, of course, fit very well with, with David and my work, which is all with the individual, with the leader, with the team, and whatever the organization's strategy or whatever they're making, that's, that's important, but it's not as important as the leadership. So we got together and developed the concept of Founders First and the Enclave, and uh, we've been working with him, with John since. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I have to ask, in your many years of experience in doing this, um, you know, I've been part of the Enclave now for a couple of years, and, and it does seem kind of obvious, like, yeah, we should focus on the person that's leading this whole thing, right? Why do you think it's 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 taken till now? And I know there's a, a fair amount of thought in the uniqueness of this. There not being a whole lot of leader centric and that person centric idea, um, and it's more of those kind of uh, business incubator incubators out there that focuses on the business itself rather than that individual who's leading it. In your experience, why do you why do you think that is? 
it seems to me that is the trend that I've seen ever since I started in this business in 1969. Wow. That the quest is always to find numbers or something non-personal mm -hmm. to prove that that's what's going to make us rich. That's what's going to make. It's going to be the, uh, the technology. It's going to be the equipment or anything but the people. The latest and greatest. Yes. And, and, uh, and, of course, business schools pushed that until relatively recently. Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea that you would, uh, that, that you would, you know, while everything was stated that our people are our most important resource, mm -hmm. they were ignored, you know, and anything that came to do with where do we really invest money and that sort of thing. And then the other thing that happens is every five years, somebody comes in with a new gimmick about people, mm -hmm. you know, that is just nonsense. Mm -hmm. And everybody runs after it like panting dogs. And then, if, and then after a couple of years, that person's made a lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, and the people say, well, I'm not sure this is going to work. And that's the next one that comes along. Right. So you've got this fad and, and you get enough of these fads. And that, of course, is going to make people skeptical right. about uh, social sciences mm -hmm. uh, and uh, think, you know, we've got all these fads. But that's what they were. They were fads. They weren't based upon science and, and good studies. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to say that, that there's a lot of good studies and a lot of good consultants that have come out since I've started this business. And, they, and, and they're moving it in where people are important. And so it's easier to do that with the entrepreneur tour, too. People are more open to that idea, even though uh, there's still a lot of resistance. And I'll say the other thing is, is like what John raised in the issue tonight. Because if I find, if I study you, and you work for me, or you're my boss, or you're my peer, if I study you, See, I can learn about engineering and not learn a thing about myself. Yeah. But if I learn about you, I learn about me. Sure. And that makes it much more threatening. It's, it's like the discussion on narcissism. We, we, we look at the narcissists and then we find out, oh, no. If I'm really honest, I, uh, I got some of that in me. No, I don't want to talk about narcissists <laughs> anymore. On to the next subject that is a little bit more black and white. Let's yeah. get back to the business, yes. the number, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, I want something black and white. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's a good transition. So tonight we, you know, was was all about relationships, and and you titled it the the challenge of narcissism. And I think one thing that I think we want I, I will help set the stage for me tonight, and would definitely do this for our listeners too, is that we hear a lot of terms. I think in psychology of like ego and narcissism. And I, at least I feel like a lot of folks tend to go that those are all negative things. But tonight you mentioned that narcissism doesn't necessarily have to be just a bad thing. It can also be a good thing. Can you expand on that a little bit? Um, well, I have to confess that in my own training, <laughs> when I was trained, we were trained that you know narcissism is pathological and the rest of us are normal and we don't have any narcissism in it. Right. But when I moved to Chicago... Uh, this is one of the centers for the uh, what's called self-psychology, and a man by the name of Kohut uh, developed the idea that all of us have to deal with narcissistic issues. And we've all got some in us, and when we get stressed or distressed, it'll come out more. And then uh, one of his uh, uh, colleagues, uh, Michael Bosch, became my friend, in a way my teacher and my colleague, and he just turned me around. So, so the idea... That, uh, that narcissism is a description of a phenomenon that we're working to understand. Mm -hmm. 
and it can be very pathological. People kill themselves, they kill other people, they destroy marriages, they can just be awful to live with. But then there's also a narcissism that has to do, like I, I love Freud, Freud's quote, he said, the wonderful narcissism of infants, beautiful women, and cats. And, you know, and, and, and he's not talking about pathological. You know, these beautiful women are not pathological narcissists. Mm -hmm. And the infant isn't. He's just got this narcissistic uh, self-love. Yeah. Um, now, when most people talk about ego, because in, in psychiatry, ego is it's very different. It's, it means self. So to have a big ego is really good. You know, <laughs> yeah. It means you've got all these important functions, but most people don't mean it that way. Uh, they mean egotistical right. uh, or egocentric. Mm -hmm. uh, and that then would be the narcissist, would be egotistical, just reflecting on themselves. Mm -hmm. the self, their own self is more important than anybody else. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the fact is, all of us get into that mode sometimes, you mm -hmm. know? And... Um, we don't want to admit it, but we do. Right. Particularly if we're sick, or we've gone through a major loss, or we're really distressed. You know, because because when you're sick, you ought to be thinking about yourself. Because that's biologically, uh, that's how our species survives. Mm -hmm. Is that we think about ourselves. So, I I see narcissism as uh, as a continuum. You know, from uh, healthy to uh, pathological. And I think most of the people that I read today and, and would see it that way too. There's still going to be people that see it as absolutely pathological, but I think most people can see a healthy side to it. And and you mentioned a lot tonight that that there tends to be a higher and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but there tends to be higher percentage of narcissistic folks in like politics potentially or maybe leadership and and kind of the attractiveness to that? Can you expound well, on that Well, uh, that was Jerry Post's uh, studies. He's a psychiatrist who has uh, developed the uh, psychological profiling for the CIA, and he's done huge studies on that. And uh, and sort of at the end of his career, he went through the, the number of politicians that are narcissistic, and that what he sees, and I think he's right, mm -hmm. is that... Uh, Politics attracts narcissistic people. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that all politicians are narcissistic. Right. But that means that it, politics are very attractive to narcissistic people. So, you, so you're going to get more mm -hmm. there than you would other places. And, you, and, and, and again, you can have the, the narcissistic tyrants, mm -hmm. such as Stalin or Saddam Hussein, but you can also have narcissistic really good leaders like Winston Churchill mm -hmm. and, uh, and John F. Kennedy this this is not what I'm saying this is what Post said and, and he describes in his book you know why he would say those things about those people right and we uh, we transition a little bit at the beginning too about um, you, you had a statistic about folks in college I think it was uh, between like 01 and 06 or something like that and their their percentage, the percentage of, of narcissistic uh, traits, I guess, increased dramatically. Well, uh, there were several studies like that. The one I don't have the numbers either, but it was like two thousand and two to two thousand and eight. Yeah. Uh, there was twice as many narcissists entering college as there was from like the nineteen eighties. Right. To two thousand and six. So so it's. It's, uh, it was four years compared to 26 years 
there's twice as much increase in four years than there was in the prior 24 years. Wow. So that, that's, to me, astonishing. Yeah. And is that, is that I mean, the, the whole world of social media, I mean, do you think that plays a pretty big role? I, I certainly do. Uh, I think it plays a big part. I'm not a big social media guy myself. But if you just <laughs> look at Facebook, where the main thing in face is to get likes. Yeah. It's not whether or not you can like. It's whether or not you get likes, pictures of your face, pictures of your things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a place where you're looking, how can I contribute to other people? Mm-hmm. How can I give them solutions? Now, you know, some of the social media would be that way, you know. Sure. YouTube would have this. Here's something that you can solve your problems with. Yeah, but things like Facebook, it's all me. Yeah, I'm curious what's going to happen with folks that are going into leadership now. I mean, I'm I'm 30. I'm a millennial, so yeah. I grew up with that stuff. Yeah, as a, as a younger person, and and frankly, there's not often times where I sit there and I'm like, yeah, I guess I probably did post that, so I could see how many <laughs> folks would like it and shares and appreciations yeah. of it. So, well, and I have, I think you know, we've talked before. I, mm-hmm. I have a feeling in some ways that the Millennials are misjudged mm-hmm. that uh, they're seen as as uh, uh, as more self-indulgent. And uh, I read one study by a woman that was a real expert in millennials, and she said millennials are different than the rest of us because they have more tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, and I think that that the other thing is though what you said, they're they're better at technology. Right. So, so they have they're better at the technology. And it means they're going to use it more. They're more familiar with it. Yeah. But and and but that doesn't mean that they're more narcissistic. Now, this other data does say that it's not just the millennials. It's, it's the new college students. So that's that's the next generation. Mm-hmm. That they're. Uh, so there is an increase in uh, in narcissism. I I certainly do think that that technology has something to do with it. Social media has, but it's not the only thing. There's a there's a whole breakdown in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the culture, there's, I mean, you can't blame all of these uh, self-help books, you know, <laughs> on technology or the millennials, but they're all putting myself first, and, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's there's been generations of that taking place that clearly is going to have some effect on narcissism. Yeah. When and, and shifting, we're all about you know the entrepreneur here um, and helping those folks. And, and a big piece of tonight was you chatting around um, how to deal with folks that have maybe those personality traits of, of whether it be a client, a business partner, um, you know anybody that you're interacting with that might be like a business advisor. Can you touch on that for folks that are listening that have to kind of go deal with that that personality? Yes, and, and as you know, this is the toughest part. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I think that you can't really do anything until you understand it. So, spend time on understanding it. But then, when you get finished, you got to say, "Okay, what can you do?" And I think you can prepare yourself, you know, by understanding, by getting information about the narcissistic personality, by understanding that all of us can move into it and out of it, mm-hmm. and that there are some people who seem to be stuck in it, and they're going to be particularly difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you can, just avoid them. You know, just stay away from those people that are always that way. But but the rest of us will move into it and have our own vulnerabilities. And mm-hmm. and you prepare for that by 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 thinking, you know, what's the context? Are we going into a context where where everybody's about to half the population is about to be laid off from their work and they're anxious and and you know, or a context where a bunch of the the kids are sick or where the people are sick? Well. That means there's going to be more 
vulnerability to narcissism. Right. Means that, I, that I'm going to have to watch, I'm not going to be able to confront, be as loose as I usually am in some of my, my things. I need to be more sensitive to, to their... Uh, their embarrassment mm -hmm. and to their, uh, their and to their needs for attention right and it's not going to kill me to give them attention you know yeah. and 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 to admire them uh, be understanding in this specific scenario yeah. right like you said if, if it's something that is ongoing and seems to be something that's not really changing well that's something where maybe you do just kind of avoid them over time yeah. but yeah. hey everybody's going to have these situations where Man, I'm kind of falling into that realm right now, but yes. that's not who I am. Yes, yes, right, yes, exactly. What would you? Any recommendations? And you chatted, you touched on this a little bit tonight, but you know what we see and hear here often, so often is, you know, we I'm so unbelievably busy. How could I possibly have time for reflection or you know my own self? Any recommendations for the very busy folks that are listening? Like, what can they do? Oh my goodness! What, <laughs> what, what, first of all, they got to they got to deal with what you just said that uh, all of us, <laughs> unless we're just anybody in business, is always busy. Yeah. And we can always say that I'm always busy, and, I, and that's one of the neatest resistances to self-reflection that there is. Yeah. What, you know, when I was at, when we were doing our seminars for senior executives at many years, we had a, a guy, this was in the late, this was in the early, this was in the 70s, okay? Mm -hmm. And he was a futurist, and he used to give this prediction that with all the self-improvement, all the stuff, that our problem in the 80s and the 90s is going to be leisure time. We're going to have way too much leisure time, and people aren't. So we were preaching that. Yeah. And, of course, we got all this increased productivity uh -huh. and all the stuff that could give us leisure time, and that France and Germany has taken, and we, instead of having more leisure time, find it be busier. <laughs> found ourselves busier. And, and I think, like, working with a narcissist, there's a point where you say, who's in control? Mm -hmm. Is this person or this economy or this thing going to be in control? Or am I in control of my time? Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm going to get in control of my time, I'm going to have to be able to spend some time thinking uh -huh. and reflecting and understanding what my needs are and understanding what the people around me need and understanding, you know, if I sit around and think, look, I got 45 more years. I can, I can do it whenever I want. But then I sit around and reflect, and I find out that I've got an atypical heartbeat that I haven't been paying attention to. Maybe I don't have 45 more years. Right. And so if I keep there, going at this pace, and there, right? and there is stuff that I have to be looking at. So, so in order to decide what I want to do realistically with my life and, and deal with the realistic, I've got to take time out to think. Mm -hmm. And nobody can make me do that. Mm -hmm. you, know, that, that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a lot of... of uh, Self-discipline. Well, do I have enough self-discipline to take time out to think about what's really important? And self-reflect on my own self. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say one more thing on this last piece. So yes, just get, be disciplined and do it. But it's always helpful if you can set up a structure so that every weekend my wife and I or my significant other and I are going to get up and instead of going to the office or whatever, we're going to go make some coffee and go sit on the deck and talk about our lives. Mm -hmm. Talk about what we want. Now, now that's every, you know, the first couple of times. But once you get that started pretty soon, that's easy to do. And it builds on itself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or every Friday night uh, is, uh, is what I call a sacred time. And that's when my wife and I, nobody else, no kids, no friends, we're going to go out to dinner. 
to our favorite restaurant, but it's only going to be us. And we can talk if we want. If we don't want to talk, we don't have to talk. We just sit there. You know, we have our drinks. But you go out, you know, you're going to start talking. Right. But the point is, after you have two or three of those, now that's a structure. I don't have to, I don't have to create it each time. Yeah. And, and I'll add one, one addition from my end is that when you go do that, whether you're sitting on the porch or you're having dinner, cell phones got to stay in the house or got to stay in the car. <laughs> that's a very good idea. It, yeah, no, I, I agree because if the cell phone, that's yes, right. That's, that's something new for my generation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, I found myself often scrolling right. through my phone sometimes or refreshing my email and just going, what the heck good am I doing you. right now? Good for you. You know? Good for you. So. Well, hey, we we appreciate the talk tonight and the information and, and you know, um, really helping us be a little bit more self-aware. And thank you very much for getting together with uh, your son and uh, and John Dallas to create this whole thing. Because I think over time, I think more and more folks are definitely going to get a little bit more self-reflective and say, you know what, this this stuff really does matter. And ultimately, that'll have a huge impact on the economy and, and employers, too. Thank you. Just as Dr. Morrison has done for 50 years, he helped to guide us towards self-awareness for self-optimization. These actionable insights related to narcissism's favorable and unfavorable impact on your life and venture will help you navigate the precarious waters of entrepreneurship. For more information on our third Wednesday of every month masterclass in applied metacognition, please visit enclaveforentrepreneurs.com.